Discussing Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today, we're going to talk more Lower Decks as we review Lower Decks Episode 4, Moist Vessel. Oh, boy. <laughs> like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Who story and himself. Cal Jones, how are you doing, man? I am doing quite well. Glad to be back. And I am actually quite excited to talk about this episode. So I'm curious to know what you guys think. So I hope you guys have thoughts. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. <laughs> Can't wait to dig in. Also on the podcast, we have the Stargate story and Jeremy Barrow. How are you, man? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here and I'm looking forward to uh, to what all we're going to discuss here. So I remember dropping in our Slack channel that I really liked the episode and I hoped that everyone else would like it too. But, you know, we'll, we'll hash it all out. We'll hash it all out. As always, you can support the show by subscribing. Please, guys, if you're on iTunes, just just open up the uh, Apple podcast app, uh, search for discussing Trek and just give us whatever you think we deserve. Hopefully five stars. But we really appreciate that. If you have access to an iOS device, we really appreciate that, guys. Moving on to news and updates. The only real news I saw for this past week was that Star Trek Discovery Season 1 is coming to CBS Broadcast Television. What do you guys think about that? So, you know how when in the UK, let's you know use a Doctor Who reference here, because they do not have the commercials the runtime is longer than what it is in the u.s because of the commercials and everything when it gets broadcast on bbc america things get cut out well same thing's going to happen with discovery but i'm curious to know obviously there are certain story points that are going to be not appropriate certain language but on the flip of that, I'm kind of excited considering the fact that it's going to expose it to another audience for the first time. Yeah, yeah. It makes me wonder if they had enough foresight to I'm thinking in particular that scene where um, Mortilli says the drops the F-bomb, you know, <laughs> I'm wondering if they had enough foresight to shoot that scene twice when it occurred, you know. Or are they doing some very clever uh, dubbing over what they originally had? So all of that, taking some of the more graphic Klingon parts out of the episode, how they actually make that come to fruition uh, would be is going to be very interesting. But for us, I hope we get like a second surge of people that are now watching and and coming into the fold and searching for podcasts and give us a listen. So that for, as far as we're concerned, that's kind of what I'm excited for. But yeah, man, it should be interesting to see this on broadcast, man. I never thought I'd see today. Did they say what date it was? I do not know. I just know that it's coming. That, so. That's what I did. I didn't think there was. And the reason I even asked that was I was curious and I wouldn't think they would overlap the two, you know, and have one be playing on one and one be playing, you know, another season playing on another. It starts uh, September the 24th. Then it may overlap the primetime non central slot. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a way to drum up interest to try to bring more people into the fold, because what if you get through this, you're going to have two other seasons waiting for you. So I I think it could be a ploy to get more people into CBS All Access. 
Well, all things with context. I, I have heard the F-bomb on network television, not a lot, but a few times. So I think it's, you know, just in the context where they will allow it as far as that's concerned. And I've just seen worse on TV. They might still, being CBS, you know, edit it down a bit. But I, I'm excited about it being on there because, you know, like you said, it exposes it to a whole new group of people. Some people are not going to pay for CBS All Access. They're just not. So this is a good chance for them to kind of sneak it in while they can. And yeah, we, we've certainly talked about all of the hate that, you know, you have, you can have many reasons for hating <laughs> Discovery Season 1. But, you know, uh, one of the reasons was always that I'm not going to pay for it. So I think it's an interesting strategy to as these seasons get, you know, one year, two year down the line that they start to drop them on network to kind of spur interest. And of course, the people that want it sooner are going to pay and get it right then. So I think that's actually a good strategy. And especially now, I heard somebody else mention that the lack of content because nobody is actually shooting anything right now because of COVID. Mm -hmm. That also could be a reason why it's coming because they just need something to put on TV. So another point to your point is in 2017, when this was coming out, we didn't have Disney Plus. We didn't have the Paramount Net, you know, the Peacock Network. We didn't have the um, HBO Max and all these different variations of streaming services that we have today. Yes, we had CBS All Access, which was literally one of the first. That being said, it's more streamlined today or in the consciousness of people to spend X number of dollars on a whatever type of streaming service my point being that may get those people in the door and now be more willing to oh it's just another x amount of dollars well that's just what we do now yeah i I definitely see that as a good thing for cbs okay guys we're going to go ahead and get to our review of lord dick's moist vessel which aired august the 27th 2020 captain freeman seeks the ultimate payback after mariner blatantly disrespects her in front of the crew a well-meaning tendy accidentally messes up a lieutenant's attempt at spiritual ascension and tries to make it right. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle station. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. So let's go around the horn and get everybody's high-level view of this episode. And let's start with you, Jeremy. What do you think? I uh, shockingly actually enjoyed this episode. I think this is a far cry from what we've seen so far. And if this is what we're got coming to us, then I'm, I'm happy. Oh, that's good to hear. <laughs> what about you, Mr. Jones? So I'm going to take a variation of almost the exact same thing of what Jeremy just said and agree with Jeremy up and, and the only spin that I would give to it is I enjoyed this. This is the only one that I have not felt like it was a chore to watch that I was watching to review, not watching out of enjoyment. And I'll go so far as to say this one was one, if I would have had enough time this afternoon that I would have watched again before we recorded simply because I did enjoy it. So uh, I have another theory that I want to get to a little bit later, but I enjoyed it. What about you, Clarence? Yeah, man, uh, I put in our Slack channel that it, this is the first one I've gotten that happy Star Trek feeling at the very end episode when they play that closing theme music. 
I feel like I really got a complete, well thought out story. When I when I talk about the last episode that we reviewed, I felt like that the it had a full story, but I didn't get that warm feeling at the end. I feel like in this one that they really came all the way through to a completion of a thought and everything in between. I found all of those aspects very interesting, although the the main principal character is annoying at times. Like I I think just that's just what she is. We're going to have to deal with it. But <laughs> but but other than that, I really I really enjoyed the episode, man. I really enjoyed the episode. You know, it, not only did you have a full complete story, but you had a main story and a story in the background that wasn't competing for our attention. Yes, it flowed. It all flowed well. It, it, they they did a really good job of of front and back, and, and I was I was very happy about that. Yes, and front and back equaled character development all around, and that is what has been missing in these build up to this episode. Yes. Though I do think if they continue to show this awesome growth in Mariner and pull back, I I don't like the tug of war there. I want them to slowly because it feels like they take it to an awesome level of character development and they just pull her all the way back to the beginning. But hopefully over time, we see that all of these small wins for her slowly starts to change her. So I guess we'll see. If they would chip away at it instead of making it sudden, I think it would be very it would be more acceptable. Yeah. Like you said, the about face is just not not growth. That that's indecisiveness. Yeah. She's not Michael Burnham. I mean <laughs> and, and, and but but I don't mean that as trying to be funny. I mean that as Michael Burnham to me is how you do it right. Because if you look at the character arc of where she started in episode one of Discovery and where that character has traveled through as a journey for the character between then and the last episode of series two, totally different place, but the character stayed the same. You just saw the character evolve. That's what they need with this character, but we're not really, we're getting bits and pieces, but it's like it, it's like a ping pong ball going, you know, like a pong going up and down and up and down. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Because with Burnham, if if every, at the end of every episode, she went back to the same mistake she made in episodes one and two, we'd be like, oh, I'm through with this, you know. But we saw this slow progression and growth throughout the season. So, yeah, that's a good analogy there, actually. So at the very beginning of the episode, we get the Cerritos, the Merced. And a generation ship that contains a molecular fluid that generates life from inorganic material. Any thoughts on the generation ship? Let's just get this off the top. It visually reminded me of the generation ship from Voyager from the Harry Kim glowing episode. Huh. Interesting. Oh, it does. Good call, dude. Okay. It's going to make my, what I thought it looked like so bad. (laughs) They're showing both of them on, on uh, memory alpha showing the viral generation ship which is the one that was on voyager and the ancient generation ship from um lower decks they do somewhat look similar but that's not what i thought it looked like kyle do you have any (laughs) ideas no i I, i'm I'm kind of drawing clueless here really yeah i'm gonna give it to you guys so i'm i'm really calling it clueless Uh, it it doesn't look phallic to you oh well then let me let me go (laughs) 
so, I gotta guess. I gotta. <laughs> so honestly, that's where I think they get the whole moist vessel from. I might be wrong. I might be reading into this a little bit too much. But right. the you know what looking ship squirts stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that's not the case because then I would. I'm pretty sure because Ransom makes a comment. I forget what the exact comment was, but he makes a comment right before it actually starts ejecting this fluid across the tractor beam onto the Cerritos and the Merced. And I wish I had that comment. Maybe I need to pull it up. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't see, I, I, I don't see the Dalek there. Dalek. I thought you, and didn't you say Dalek a minute ago? <laughs> I said phallic. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Because I was about to say, well, it looks like something else. <laughs> and it, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, you see where my mind was. Uh, he's always thinking about Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, but it definitely looks <laughs> phallic, not phallic. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so I, I guess this ship, instead of exterminate, inseminate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, you're not wrong, sir. You are not wrong. So this this is what uh, this episode. Say it again. <laughs> Said I was enjoying this episode. <laughs> so Ransom makes a comment right before the fluid starts coming across that you you know there's no peninsula more sensual than the Iberian. I, it I thought it was just obvious, you know, because because to me that that title makes no sense in any other way. I, I don't think, but I could be wrong. Prove me wrong, guys. <laughs> I want to be wrong. And also that this fluid is a life-giving fluid, you know. In a sense, it kind of reminded me of the Genesis of Ice in, in the Rathacon. It 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 kind of reminded me of that. But the way it's portrayed in the episode, I just, uh, yeah, this, this life-giving fluid came across the tractor beam into a vessel. Mm-hmm. A moist vessel. Yeah. <laughs> I could yeah. Guys, if you're listening at Discussing Trek on any of the social medias, tell us that we're wrong. I don't I cause cause I, I listened to uh Alan Siler's um Afdex after show and I don't think any of them mentioned this in that. So I think they were wondering like why was it called Moist Vessel too, which I was until I watched it again. Um so I will say this too. I really wish they would have used another design for the Merced. Um, it would have been cool to be something to see something else besides another California class. So yeah, I'm pretty sure the California class is going to be a staple of the show, both cities in California. So I'm sure the Los Angeles or Sacramento is coming up soon. Yeah, yeah. I just wish they would have used a different design. That's all. It's just I don't know. I don't. I don't like seeing every ship look the same in Star Trek. No, me neither. Yeah. And I've been wanting to say this since week number one, and I keep forgetting it. But since we're talking about ships' names, every time I see the name Cerritos, I think Doritos. <laughs> every time I type it into my uh, text editor, it gets corrected with burritos. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I don't know. It is kind of weird. But we learned that Captain Freeman and Captain Durango, who is a Tellarite, served on the USS Illinois together. I thought that was pretty cool. And... Then we get into Mariner just starting to be her annoying self. I know this had to frustrate you, Cal. 
uh, uh, first by just yawning uncontrollably. And then she basically just throws the uh, data pads onto the conference table. Thoughts? Yeah, I literally wanted to find a um, cargo bay and whip her out the cargo bay, <laughs> literally. I mean, totally and completely. I was I started this episode thinking, <sighs> here yeah. we go again. And, and luckily, I was pleasantly surprised. But I, I even went so far as to look up the actress actor who plays this voice role and to see, are you on anything else that annoys me? Because this character is freaking annoying me. <laughs> so, yes, that was my feelings there at the beginning. And I mean, I know she's just playing the part that she's given as the actor, but and she's doing a good job of being irritating. But my God, she was being irritating. Any thoughts, Jeremy? I've just kind of reached the point to where whatever she does doesn't bother me unless it's just too egregious, because if I did that, then I, my blood pressure would just go sky high. So I just, you know, unless it's just really bad, I just don't even worry about it. Yeah, it it's a good point that I think th- I think they do well in this episode by saying that the captain doesn't even know how to deal with it. But. The bad thing about that is, is the captain lets her get away with it. Even you have you have Captain Durango here and you even have the admiral at the end being like, you just going to let her talk like this. You know, don't you have any rules on this ship? But for some reason, her mother, Captain Lady, <laughs> Captain Freeman, just lets her get away with it. Even even some, even uh, Lieutenant uh, Commander Ransom was like. Why? I thought she would have been off the ship. Like, you know, why does he get this uh, this extreme pass? And the only thing I can think of is that maybe the captain did something very bad that affected her. And, and she's just giving her a pass because of that. That's the only thing I can think of. You know, I was wondering that. And I have a question for you guys. Does everyone else know that that is the captain's daughter? Hmm. Good question. Because I don't think they do. Well, I, I don't think so. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I don't think so either. Because the captain's name, I think, is even different. Uh, she's Carol Freeman. And then you've got uh, Beckett Mariner. Yeah. So, you know, their their name is even different. So I don't think they know that that that's her daughter. Yeah, I'm just hoping that whatever explanation they eventually give is a really good one um, because she just gets a blanket pass from her mother. And he I don't know, man, it's 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 freaking annoying. So we get where Mariner does this sarcastic Vulcan salute thingy. And again, that just goes down the <laughs> with every other crazy antic she does that that would normally get it kicked off the ship. You know, you know, she she's talking to the captain like this. It's just, I just we just need to figure out what she did. That was that was what her mother did. That was so bad, or why she's getting this pass. I just they have to explain that in the show. So again, we talked about ransom. I love I love that he mentions that she should have been kicked off the ship, and then offers some good advice to the captain, telling her that she should be assigned the worst jobs on the ship. So Mariner gets the following jobs, holodeck waste removal, turbo lift luby, and scrubbing carbon from the carbon filter. So what type of waste do we think is on the holodeck? Any and everything. 
Considering the fact that this was a moist vessel, I mean, just let your mind go wherever it will. I always thought that somehow all of that waste would get dematerialized, like, you know, transporter style when the holodeck, you know, goes off or gets deactivated. Or if that, it would be disintegrate. You know, I mean, I see what you're saying, dematerialized, but just, yeah, just evaporate. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I always thought. So, you know, I guess it's a job. You know, got to remove the waste from holodeck. Turbo lift lubing. Um, uh, the dude, oh man, Lieutenant Shays just ignores the sign and goes in and almost kills the poor girl. So, you know, still not, I don't think that was a horrible job. I think the holodeck was a little bit worse and I don't even think scrubbing carbon from the carbon filter was that bad. Cause they got to like use a phaser to do it. Not, it was not like they're on their hands and knees to do that. It's boring if nothing else, but you know what it was for, for me, this was the first time that I saw a glimmer of actual liking the character because I saw her making a enjoyable situation. In other words, like she was going to make something enjoyable out of the worst situation. And it's like at that point, domino effects started happening for me. So I I won't go any further unless you want me to, but I, that was just like a, cool thing for me for her because this was the first time i actually saw some humanity in this character she rallied her comrades there and like had had fun out of something that should have been a horrible job so i give her major kudos for that but of course that's gonna annoy the captain what do we think about our second approach you know if if, if we can't give her the worst jobs and have her suffer and want to leave the ship because of that we're going to give her responsibility, give her promotion. Good approach. Well, it's been, I've, I've done that myself. You know, you, you, you don't, oh, you don't like this? Well, then, you know, if you can't, if you can't find a way to get rid of them, then follow the rules. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of that mentality. So I get that. Had it worked, it would have been a really good way to do it. Yeah. What about you, Cal? Any thoughts? Less on the mother and, and the daughter here. My takeaway there was from the uh, reaction that Balmer had because again, I kind of identify him as being the little nerd that like, you know, is always making sure he crosses the T's and dots the I's. And I would have been so ticked off if she got the promotion for breaking all the rules. And here I was sitting there doing everything I'm supposed to and more and I get passed up, that would have pissed me the mm off. So uh, I, I, I had more of that reaction to it than than the two of them. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. Bomer was not having it. He was freaking the, the frick out, man. And, and yeah, I guess I got to be bad, you know. <laughs> so yeah, his, his reaction was classic. I, I love their men of that. I loved how they pretty much made life miserable for, for her by giving her or by putting her in all of the mundane nuances of um, being a part of the senior staff, you know, mess hall performances, mundane meetings, uh, scheduled meetings to do scheduling. And then she has to do the TNG poker thing with the senior staff who she doesn't like any of them people. So all of that is torture for her. So I, I loved seeing her for once being put in awkward situations where she wasn't comfortable. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. 
I did like her getting her own quarters. I thought that was pretty sweet. And the change of uniform, I thought, looked really cool. So I thought it was a good opportunity to to let somebody or to to present the idea that you think something is some way. Like, for instance, she sees or they see the people up at the top deck as, oh, well, they just got it like this when you don't know what they have because you've not walked in their shoes. I liked how they presented that. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the mundane parts of management. (laughs) Management is not, of course, you're in a position of power, but management is not always fun. You know, Um, you have all these tasks and these obligations you have to do. You can't, you can't pretty much sit back it ain't like it's it's not like just going to your day job and coming back and not having any responsibility. You, you, your your responsibility is larger and you have a lot more things you have to be involved with. So I, I love seeing her thrust into that situation. Yeah. So, of course, Mariner sees through the captain's plans. Right. Ca- See, there's another reason I thought it was uh, what I said earlier. She calls the captain a D and then they immediately switch to the ship in the next shot. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know, man. It's just weird for that to be in Star Trek. But Captain Durango has plans of his own and he moves his vessel, the Merced, closer to the uh, generation ship and out of formation, causing the ship to <coughs> rupture its regeneration fluid. You know, this terraforming fluid uh, uses the tractor beam to travel to the two ships and begins its terraforming emulsion. So the scene forces Mariner and Freeman to work together. Thoughts on the duo teaming up. And did we get a, any greater insight into their relationship from this scene of them or these scenes of them working together? I, I, I like the team up. I don't think it really added anything to the relationship. I think it's probably something that was already that was already present. They just their personalities conflict too much for them to do it on a regular basis. But I think they already knew they could work well together. Hmm. Interesting. What about you, Cal? Yeah, I, I think I'm I, I think I'm there with what Jeremy said on that one. Yeah, for me, I, I totally started to get the picture of why or, or maybe why Mariner is like she is, because we we immediately get the sense that her mother is too controlling, too overbearing. Uh, I think we may have mentioned this before, but it's, it's, it's like um, if if you're a, a preacher's kid, you know, <laughs> Once you get from under them, you're just going to go, wow. And it seems like this this captain's kid had a, a parent that was very, very overbearing. You know, she's complaining about what rock she's using to to get through the formations, you know, how she's gripping her hands on the on the uh, vine to get down. You know, she treats her like a kid. So, I mean, with may, maybe with fair reason, because she doesn't act like a grown up, but still. Right. So I think that is something that happens in every parent-child relationship. And sometimes it happens sooner rather than later because of circumstances, whether sooner versus later, whether they're for the person, the mother, father, the son, the daughter, whatever the case may be. But I think you have that moment of where the parent has to come to the realization they really do know what they're talking about. And yes, I do 100% agree that Mariner brought a lot of this on herself because of the way she acted. 
But there was that aha light bulb moment where the mother kind of comes to the realization, wow, you maybe do yeah. you know, know something here. Yeah. Yeah, I, agree. I totally agree. That was a wonderful moment. Go, go ahead, Jeremy. And that could be a very humbling moment when, you're, when your kid kind of shows you what they know. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Mariner comes up, like you mentioned, Kyle, she comes up with this awesome plan to fix their ship and try to save the people from the Merced. And, you know, her mother was, was just kind of stopped berating her for a moment, stood back and said, oh, you, you, you're doing a great job and embraces her. And I felt like that's all that Mariner really needed more of that type of stuff. But uh, uh, alas, was it all for not uh, Mariner went back to her old ways. Uh, and that just made me think, will she ever grow? You know, she made this whole joke about the sensors, which is a throwback to, to uh, Spock, of course, but it, it, it just, all that growth we got in those moments just threw away at the end to, I guess, start over again on the next episode to see her come back from her silly antics. I don't, I don't. So let me ask this question. When are we going to have her take a back seat and not be the Mariner show? And Mm. that's, that's what I'm wanting. I'm wanting her to take a back seat like a bomber for many ways, took a back seat for this episode. I'm tired of seeing, we've had, we've had four episodes now of her. And let's say we get 12 episodes. I'm not sure how many we're going to get for this series, but let's say we get uh, 12. We've had the four for her. Now let's yeah. switch to Rutherford. Now let's switch to whomever else. That's what I think this, this needs to make it. It doesn't need solely to be about her. I totally agree with you. I mean, let's, let's, let's have a Bomer focused episode without Mariner, you know, or Mariner barely mentioned in the episode. I'm, I'm on board for that and and just hit up these different characters. You know, we're going to get into Tendi's arc in this episode, but she got a pretty hefty piece of the episode as well. So yeah, I totally agree with that. All right. So let's go ahead and talk about Tendi's arc. They have the spill at the beginning where they're mentioned in their jobs And Tendi says that she is going to an ascension ceremony. And this leads us down this path of 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 her with Lieutenant O'Connor throughout the rest of the episode. How do we feel about Tendi ruining the seance and then destroying the sand mandala? And I want to get you guys take on this accidental comedy versus the overt rebel comedy that we get from Mariner. Is this accidental Steve Urkel-esque comedy better than the what we get with Mariner? I say I wouldn't call it Steve Urkel-esque because I actually like this humor and I couldn't stand Urkel. I think it, I think it worked. I think it worked better. It wasn't in your face. It was I don't want to say realistic, but it was it was it didn't it was more organic. It didn't feel forced. I didn't feel like, you know, it was funny for the sake of being funny. It's like you know, this this is funny, yes, but it's going to be funny, yes, but it also leads to other funny stuff. Yeah. I yeah, I, yeah, I want to agree with that. And I'll say that I take it from the point of view of look at how the character was doing the funny things and where the intent came from. With Mariner, all of her antics are usually being sarcastic or trying to make a smart remark or trying to do X, Y, and Z. 
Whereas the flip of this, she was clumsy, she did something stupid, and now she feels bad about it and she wants to make up for it. And the comedy comes from her going to the extreme. That was, to me, true comedy. It wasn't the smart mouth comedy. Well, it's, it's not only true comedy, but it's, it's character. Yes. Yeah, that's what I guess I'm trying to say. This is this is part of her character. So, you know, it, like I said, it didn't her character is just not built forced being funny because just the way her character is, is funny. Yeah, I totally get that. I mean, where I feel like Mariners is more class clown. Hers, like you guys mentioned, felt more or- organic. And the foolishness actually still comes from a place of innocence. She's just like messing up like people do. <laughs> so it was, it's almost cringe because of what's happening, but it's not cringe because she just outright defiant. It's a different type of cringe than, than for what we get with Mariner. And I really enjoyed all of that. All, all of the Tendi stuff in this episode, I thought was really, really good. And we found out that Tendi is a people pleaser. Um, any people pleasers out there? <laughs> Did you find yourself in this situation? Been there, done that, bought and returned a t-shirt because I didn't think people liked it. So there you go. <laughs> You could have kept that Doctor Who t-shirt, man. Nobody's judging. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And yeah, we, we get these really great character moments with Tendi and O'Connor where we'll see where they come from the point of view where Tendi's doing her pleasing to kind of fit in. And then you have O'Connor with this whole Ascension thing to trying to make his mark to uh, in Starfleet as the Ascension guy so he can be noticed, you know. So I think all of even even his character development in this episode, I feel like we got more from O'Connor than we did than we have from a lot of other characters in just in just these few scenes that we we seen them in. So I, I thought all of that was great, which each of them having their own secrets of what they're doing to to try to get through Starfleet. You know, one thing that I think that made this feel like a true episode was your you you had a plot and a subplot that was going on that felt like you got a complete story arc from two sets of characters, you know, that kind of the stories kind of interjected, but they kind of interacted with each other, but around a, a bigger whole. And I think for the first time you used more of the top tier crew and the lower decks crew interacting more so than just here you see the top deck crew coming in saying, oh, go do this and oh, go do that. And that's all you see. You had more interaction. And maybe that was one of the reasons we liked it a little better. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that, man. I just really felt like we had this complete overarching story. Um, and like you said, all these subplots that were going on with Tendi in the Ascension and Mariner with her mother. Uh, and Mariners, you know, with the jobs and stuff, but all of it meshed well together. Now, a few grievances I have with the episode. I really want to know more about that freaking generation ship because it looked freaking cool. I mean, of course, we learned that it had this life uh, liquid. <laughs> we had this life liquid, this life fluid, which I thought was cool, but they didn't try to open up any of the pods. And I assume the people in the pods weren't dead. I'm not sure if they said if they were or not, but it would be cool to see them open up the pods. But again, in a 30 minute show, you probably don't have time to do all that. 
But I definitely feel like we got our whole overall story. We got this ascension with with O'Connor and the koala. You know, all of that was interesting and cool, I thought. Uh, real quick on the Tindy uh, O'Connor thing. I liked how she saved his life twice and then he saved her. And that's what allowed him to to do this thing that he thought he was just fronting with to get, to get attention. But, you know, it actually worked for him. So I thought that was cool. For better or for worse. For better or for worse. All right. Anybody else have any takeaway, any other takeaways from this episode? I think I'm about through with my notes. So we'll see if, if you guys had anything you wanted to bring up that I failed to mention. I don't, I don't know about y'all, but I really want a Rutherford episode because I yes. think he's one of the characters we have not had a chance to see anything out of substantially who would probably be really, really fun to watch. I agree with that. And I would also enjoy seeing Dr. Cat. I don't know what the Dr. Cat's name is, but I just like that character. And I think uh, I equally agree with the Rutherford comment. But yes, I also wouldn't mind seeing that. I just hope that this next episode we're going to watch later this week keeps on this trajectory. I don't think we're going to get our less of Mariner, but I hope we have an evolved Mariner. Probably won't get, but I'm going to be optimistic. We can have hope. We can. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll wait with baited breath for the next episode. Let's go around. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and get uh, ratings for this episode. I will start. I will say 3.9. I really enjoyed the episode. I feel there's room for improvement. Give me more of these stories that feel complete. You know, I felt complete. They start playing the the closing theme. I was like, you know, I got that. I got a hint of that feeling. It hit me a little bit. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, they're doing the thing. Just keep that up. I'll I'll be happy. I agree with Kyle. Maybe a little bit less of Mariner, more of the other uh, people on the ship. So yeah, three point nine. What about you, Jeremy? I'm going to go with a three because it, it it's a stark improvement from what we started with. There's still room to grow and you know, it's, it's, it's hope for the future. <laughs> All right. What about okay. you? I'm going to stay right with Jeremy and give it a three as well. I enjoyed this, but I'll be honest. If I don't think I would have given the others, maybe, you know, a, a combined 2.5 average on the first couple of three. So I'm going to give it a higher, I'm going to give it a three, but I just want to see more and I know that they can do better and I just hope that they do. So I want to see better. I want to keep the same trajectory, but I'm going to stick with my three. All right. All right. All right, guys, well, we're wrapping up this review. Let's just go around the horn real quick and see what everybody has been working on watching whatever podcast later or otherwise. Um, and Kyle, you go first, man. All right. I will start by saying if you're a fan of Doctor Who, especially the 11th Doctor, we are currently in the 11th Doctor's first series, the 2010 series. So check us out at Discussing Who at DiscussingWho.com. All right. What about you, Jeremy? Um, I have I have finished watching uh, The Legend of Korra. Awesome. I thought it was great. Um, I don't I, I'm hesitant to say that it was better than ever than, than the last Airbender, but there's two. There's such different shows that it's, it's it's difficult to compare them. But it was really, really good. Um, that's really that, that's really all I've got. That's that's interesting. You know, just just being a pup father and and that's really it. 
Oh, that's fine, man. Absolutely. But I will say that leash training is not fun. Period. What training? Leash. Trying to train um, my little puppy, Esri, for, uh, to be on a leash when outside. Ah. Not liking it at all. She is not a fan. As for me, man, uh, you can always check out the Relativity Podcast where we are winding down the journey. It's been such a fun ride. If you haven't listened, definitely go to RelativityPodcast.com and check out uh, an audio serial for your ears and mind where I play a character named Marcus. You may even hear a Cal Jones on there. So, yeah, definitely check it out. It's a fun ride. And it's coming down to the end, man. I'm getting sad. I'm getting sad. <laughs> yeah, we're going to really get sad soon. Yeah. And also, also, uh, I've been watching some TNG lately. And I just keep you all caught up on what I've watched lately, which is uh, the episodes Cause and Effect, Outcast, and Ethics. All of those really good episodes. Cause and Effect is like a Groundhog Day episode in a sense. I really enjoyed that one. But yeah, trying to get caught up on some TNG as well, get through all the seasons uh, again. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. And I think that's it, guys. As always, you can send mail in to fans at DiscussingTrek.com or hit us up at DiscussingTrek on all of the social medias. And that's a wrap, guys. So until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe. just not the same for you after Tony Stark's endgame snap? Are you desperately looking forward to the Snyder Cut to regain your love for the Justice League? Disappointed by the return of Skywalker? And how angry are you about Star Trek killing Picard only to reanimate him in a golem? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you need help. And I'm here to give it to you. I'm Tasha Pierce, host of After the Snap podcast. Every Sunday, join me as I present reasons for you to fall in love again with sci-fi. After the Snap, virtual group therapy for all of sci-fi's depressing moments. On Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are served. Discussing Network.